Our gospel reading today is part of a longer passage um, that has come down to us to be known as Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. For Jesus is the great high priest, a priest being someone in uh, the, the Old Testament who was mediator between God and man. And so Jesus is the only mediator, for he is both God and man. So this is his high priestly prayer. It was his prayer in the passage immediately preceding the one that was read today. Um, to, on behalf of his followers, on behalf of his disciples who had been with him during his earthly ministry. But this prayer is for those who will believe through their witness. That means this prayer is for you. It's as if you had a book that had been in your family for centuries Um, that had come down to you and that's been on the bookshelf forever without being opened and you open it one time and a letter falls out and it's addressed personally to you and it reads, Dear Sandy or Dear Levon or Dear Betty or Dear Barbara, you put your name in there, Dear You. I have been praying for you, I am praying for you, and I will continue to pray for you. Jesus is praying for you individually. He is interceding for us, we are told, at the right hand of the Father. Before you know a need, he already does. And he is praying for each and every one of us. And here, he is praying specifically that we all may be one. And it's this amazing dance of oneness that we find in the trinity of the one God. The Father In me, I in the Father, says Jesus, they in me, I in them, so that the love of the Father is in them. There's this wonderful dance in the Trinity. The love of the Father poured out to the Son. The Son pours back his love into the Father, all knit together in the love and the grace and the comfort and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we're invited into the very life of the Trinity, into God's very life itself. And in all of this, suffused in his love, the love of the Father to the Son, the love of the Father for all of his creation. And the prayer is so that we all may be one, so that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son and that his deep love for the world is revealed in this sending because this sending was for the salvation of the whole world. So in our oneness, 
in our unity, we witness to the love of God revealed in the work of the Son on the cross for our salvation, for our rescue, for our rescue from the way the things are in the world, from the mess that the world is in, not pulling us out of it, but rescued in the midst of it so that we might be rescue agents ourselves through the one who lives in us, not in anything that we can do, but by the power of his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. It's the same word that's on the lips of the Roman jailer in the Acts of the Apostles reading. Remember last week we saw Paul make it over into Philippi, a Roman colony now moving into what is modern-day Europe. But it's a Roman town. It's a Roman jailer. The Jewish community evidently isn't big enough to even have a synagogue in the town. They need 10 Jewish men to form a synagogue. Um, But he hears that there's a group out by the river, mainly women, um, one of whom, Lydia, is not Jewish, but a God-fearer. And we heard that story last week. So they continue to spread the gospel in this Roman colony, and there's this um, slave girl who keeps following them around, who has a spirit of divination. And once the spirit's been cast out, um, the money source dries up for her owners, and they're not very happy with Silas and Paul. So money is the root of the problem for them, but they can't go to the authorities about an issue of low income stream now. So what do they do? They say they're Jews and they're preaching about their faith and they're stirring up the people against Rome. And so it's for that reason that they've been thrown in jail. And the authorities have said to the Roman jailer, you better make sure that they don't escape. You look after them properly. And so the jailer uh, puts them at the farthest back jail cell, puts them in shackles just to make sure, so that if there was any possibility that they could escape, they'd never make it past the next jail cell because they couldn't make it past all of the other soldiers. And they're praying in their jail cell, and they're singing hymns in their jail cell. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? They're singing in their jail cell, and at that point in time, God has a plan for their escape. There's an earthquake, and it shakes the foundations of the jail so that all of the doors swing open and all of the shackles fall off. Well, you have to know that a Roman jailer, and this is why he wanted to make sure that they were secure, if they lose a prisoner, they're going to be tortured and killed. And so he figures, let me just do away with the torture. I'm going to fall on my own sword because that's what's going to happen anyway. So he's about to commit suicide on his own sword. And Paul shouts out, don't do that. We're still here. We, we haven't gone anywhere. It's all right. And so 
you can just imagine, they said, get the light. So they're still here. Seriously, they didn't escape. And so they bring them outside into, uh, well, it's midnight, so outside with the lamplight. And then his question is, tell me how I can be saved. Now, he's just been in fear for his life. He's not thinking about how do I get to heaven when I die or how do I avoid hell when I die. He's thinking about how can I be rescued from this mess that I now find myself in because the whole jail is all of the doors are empty. So even though his question isn't a theological one, the answer to all of those questions about how do we get rescued from the messes we're in, the answer is always Jesus Christ. Whatever mess we're in, whatever physical, emotional, spiritual mess, relational mess we're in, the answer is Jesus Christ. Whatever mess the world is in, the answer is Jesus Christ. All of the pollution, the ecology, the, politi- the politics, the economy, all of the mess, the answer is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the jailer is baptized He tends to their wounds, and that day, all of them are indeed saved. They are saved in a much deeper way than his question alluded to. They have the salvation that comes through confession of faith in Jesus Christ. It's what Paul wrote to the Romans. He says, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is the answer to all of our messes personal and global. The same Jesus who is, he says in his revelation to John, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star, the bridegroom of the church who is his bride, the lordship of Jesus, of this Jesus, is the answer to all of our messes. It's also the answer to Jesus' prayer that we all may be one. Because when he is Lord of all him lives, then we become one in him. When Jesus is prayer, Jesus is acknowledged as Lord and our lives are submitted to his lordship, then his reign starts to work in our lives, his rule, his way, heaven's way and pours out from us into the world and that starts putting the messes right side up it starts the work of rescue from a world in a mess 
and for those personal messes in each of our lives. But let me say this, making him Lord in our lives, he is Lord, but allowing him to be Lord in our lives doesn't mean that we'll have an easy journey. Don't think that being a Christian and having Jesus as your Lord will make life easy for you. Because the enemy doesn't want Jesus to be Lord in anyone's life. If the Lord of our life is money or the nation or a political party or a football team, if that gets to be top in our lives, the enemy doesn't care about that. That's fine. We can go on our own pretty way. But when Jesus is Lord of our life and our lives start mirroring Jesus and we're transformed into his image, then the enemy will ramp up his attack more and more. We see this in the life of Paul. It's not the first time he's thrown into jail. Not the first time he's flogged. Not the first time he's, he's beaten with rods. All of those things happen to him. He's thrown into jail because of money. Not because of what he's saying. They're just using that as an excuse. But the minute that the gospel goes out, there are other dark forces that come about. But God will not be mocked. And we will be vindicated. And we will, and when we pray, there is power for our protection and for our ongoing ministry. It's why each ministry here at Good Shepherd is covered in prayer by our intercessors and on Wednesday. We rotate through a prayer for every single ministry that goes on in this campus, for the vestry, for the staff, for the clergy, Everything is covered in prayer because if Jesus is Lord here, we have to know that the enemy will try and come in and seed disunity. And we must stand against that because Jesus' prayer for us is that we all may be one. And we are one when we're in him. That doesn't mean that we all have to agree about everything. We won't agree about everything. Pastor Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, put it this way. We don't need to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. We can walk together. If Jesus is Lord, we can walk side by side, even if we don't see eye to eye about everything. And that's what Jesus' prayer is all about. It's so that in our unity, in our walking side by side, under his lordship, the love of God will be shown forth by our community, by our being family, 
by our being one together. I've just finished reading a book called Wind, uh, Wind in the House of Islam. And it's about how Jesus is making himself known, not necessarily by missionaries into Islamic nations, but because he is drawing his children to read the Injil, which is the New Testament, the revelation of his life and his work. And people are reading that and seeing the God of love, seeing the reconciling love that is exemplified in the New Testament writings. And they are drawn to following this Isa, this Isa Messiah, this Jesus Messiah. Because they see a delight, they experience a delight in the love of the Father for them through the Son. How much more must we in the West show them that that is true, that as Christians, we are one in the Lord. We should never disturb their faith by disunity because they have come to a faith through the words of the gospel, through the words of the New Testament, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to a faith in this one Jesus. May we not hinder his children to come to him by any disunity or by meeting hatred with hatred. For he tells us instead to meet hatred with love so that all, so that all may come within the reach of his saving rescuing embrace. Amen.